eyes are already starting to close, and I haven't even started preaching yet, so if I see eyes close, I'm naming names, guys. Be careful. Isn't this a, isn't this a funny time of year? Here we are trying to get in, this, in the spirit of the season, the spirit of the thief in the Griswold family Christmas. Christmas Day fans out there. We're getting ready for the happiest seasons of all, but you're all studying for finals. It's just kind of tricky. Um, you know, you'll be in Starbucks studying finite math, listening to Christmas music, and like just hating everything about your life in this moment. It's just, it's really strange. I've heard a lot of bad stories about finite math this Christmas season. Um, but isn't, isn't that an interesting thing? I guess I kind of like it that at least Christmas is like the light at the end of the tunnel for you, right? You've got something to look forward to once you get through all these projects and exams, so be encouraged. Christmas is coming. Uh, hang in there. We're praying for you. I know it's tough. But, uh, man, before you know it, you're going to be packing up that pile of dirty laundry that you haven't touched since you've been back in your room since Thanksgiving break. And you're going to be making the trek back to your uh, respective locations throughout Indiana. And um, you all know the work is only going to get more intense there because none of you have bought Christmas presents for your families yet. Um, you've got work to do once you get home. Uh, who knows what the hottest gift this Christmas season is? Any guesses? Oh, this is... Boom! Here, I saw some great news lines. Uh, I saw some great news lines this past week. Here's the first: hoverboard, the hottest, hardest to get gift for the holidays. And here's the second: beware exploding hoverboards this Christmas. Uh, it's accompanied by a picture of a hoverboard that said "Evil Boards." Um, man, I guess if you buy a cheap hoverboard, it's really dangerous. Uh, I share all this just to let you know. There's so many distractions that we go through the holiday season thinking about what gifts to buy. Oh man, am I going to get through finals? I got to do this laundry. What, what does my mom want? What does my sister want? Oh shoot. Um, and then we've all got to watch these Christmas movies. I mean, how many of you have lists of Christmas movies that you have to get through before you're ready for Christmas? Um, when I got home, if I didn't watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Home Alone 2. Christmas just wasn't ready to happen. Home Alone 2, not Home Alone 1. I'm a big Home Alone 2 guy. What other? What are your guys' favorites? i got to hear some of your go-to's. Oh, that's another really good one. White Christmas? That's a great one. Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. That's a little creepy. It's 13. Friday the 13th. All right. Let me reel it back in. That's the danger of crowd interaction and connection. There goes the I share all of this to say that we have so many things competing for our attention this Christmas season. There are no shortage of things to distract us. There are so many good things that we're thinking about, exciting things, time with friends, time with family, but there are also things that are distractions that vie for our attention that are really tough, really difficult. You've got the finals, the challenges there. But I know that some of you go home to really tough family situations, situations where you're not exactly eager uh, to walk back into that. And so there are some challenges. And what I want to do tonight is really take a step back from all of the busyness that you're finding yourself in right now, and even that busyness that you're going to enter into when you get back home, and reflect on the wonder of Christmas. The wonder of Christmas. What I'm talking about is that Christmas is a holiday where we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have to look at what God has done with awe, with holy wonder, 
at the magnitude of what this holiday is about and also the mystery. We can't fully wrap our minds around what God has done in the birth of Jesus Christ, but we can wrap our minds enough around it that we are led to worship God. And so what I want to do tonight is uh, reflect on God's word, this truth about who Jesus Christ is and what his birth meant uh, back then and what it means for us today. And so I want to invite my man, Jonathan Ford, who's going to read to us. Yes, he's... Jonathan is going to read for us John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of His fullness we have received grace and pit, and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and in closest relationship with the Father has been made known. Thank you. Would you guys please pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift it is to us. You've revealed yourself to us. Tonight, as we reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would speak to our hearts in a powerful way, that the reality of your birth would be something that impacts us right here and right now, that we might be changed by understanding this truth uh, deep inside of our hearts, Father, that we would understand what it means to be people who have received grace on top of grace because of what you've done for us in Jesus. And so we invite you into this place. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And so as we look at this passage right there in the first verse, chapter 1, verse 1, we see this word. Uh, we see the word logos. That is the Greek word that is translated word here in this passage that is kind of the preamble to John's gospel. He's laying out for us here how big of a deal the incarnation of Jesus is. And so Jesus Christ, the word of God, the logos, what this meant in the original Greek uh, translation was not just spoken words, but the reason, the mind. And the Jews uh, had a traditional understanding of this, that logos was something that reminded them of the way in which God spoke the word, uh, spoke the world into being. And he governed the world according to his word. And so, logos here, this is a big word for us. That's why it's got this capital W, because it's uh, just so chock full of meaning. And so what John is saying here is he's identifying Christ with the eternal God of the universe. Jesus Christ was not separate from the Father. He was with God when God spoke the world into being. And so, as we see throughout this passage, in the birth of Christ, we see the eternal God of the universe taking human form. 
Jesus not only spoke God's word, which he did, interestingly enough, Jesus spoke the word of God. He was literally breathing the word of God whenever he spoke. Um, it's interesting, they didn't do like Yelp or anything back then, because if Jesus reviewed a restaurant, people would be like, oh, my restaurant's the best, the word of God said so, if Jesus liked your burrito. Um, that would have been the word of God. And so it's a darn good thing Yelp didn't exist, because everyone would want Jesus' review. Um, Jesus, the word of God, not just in everything he spoke, but in everything he did, his actions were a display of the will of God in real time and space. He was the living word. Um, listen to this. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He's made himself known. And so, in the birth of Jesus, we see this monumental moment in human history where he who was present at the very creation of the world entered into his own creation to become its hope, to become the light and life of our world that is darkened by sin. And so, the light shines in the darkness, John writes, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it is in that coming of Christ that the world is restored and transformed to become what God intended it to be. This is just huge stuff that we read about here in John chapter 1. And there are two things I really want to focus on as we prepare our hearts for Christmas here this evening. And the first is the magnitude of the birth of Jesus Christ for humanity. The birth of Jesus Christ would change the world forever. In this moment, the eternal Son descended from heaven and entered the world as a human being, all the while remaining fully God. So, just think about that. The teaching of Scripture is that Jesus Christ was both fully man and fully God. Colossians 2.9 says, In Christ the fullness of God lives in bodily form. The fullness of God in bodily form. And this understanding uh, that we see here of who Jesus is, his identity as fully God is really important. There was a man named Nestorius who was a church official back in the 5th century, and he argued that Jesus was really just a man who was inspired by God. And so Jesus was an example for us, but he wasn't our savior. And so Nestorius theology was condemned by the church eventually, and he was stripped of leadership because it had huge, huge implications. Uh, the reason Nestorianism, this philosophy, was so dangerous was because embedded within it was the idea that man really wasn't that sinful. We aren't really dead in sins. We don't need a spiritual savior. We just need Jesus' good example. We just need his good example, and we can follow what he did, and then we can rise up to God ourselves. But that's not true. We are dead in sin. Scripture is clear on that teaching. So we don't just need a good example. We need good news. We need a savior from outside. God who came down to us, because we cannot rise up to him by our own doing. Jesus Christ was fully God. That's what scripture says. And so it is in the fully God nature of Jesus Christ that we find hope, because because, because Jesus was fully God, he's powerful to save us. This just blows our minds. And Jesus was also fully man. How does that work out? Fully God and fully man. There was another heresy uh, in the early church that surfaced, and it was called Docetism. And this was the errant belief that Christ wasn't really fully man. He was fully God, only appearing to be fully man. And so Jesus was fully God, just posing as a man. And that's not what we see in the New Testament either. The Gospels portray how Jesus was really born of a woman. He really grew up. He matured. 
He was tempted. Uh, boom. <laughs> he had human emotions. He wrestled with the temptation to sin, though he did not sin. And it's so critically important that we understand that Jesus Christ wasn't only fully God, but he was also fully man. The book of Hebrews talks about this. Let's read Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to become like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus' humanity means that God himself can identify us. He who was rich became poor that we might become rich through his poverty. Here's a great quote from C.S. Lewis on this, how monumental is the nature of the birth of Jesus Christ. This is a quote from his book, Miracles. He says, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, but he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. I love that quote. That's powerful stuff. Without the miracle of the incarnation, there is no miracle of the blind man seeing. There's no miracle of lame men walking, of people being healed. There's no miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 without the miracle of the incarnation first. Without the incarnation first, there is no miracle of the empty tomb and the risen Christ. And so preparing our hearts for Christmas has to involve recognizing and reflecting on the bigness of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. The magnitude of this event on human history is unbelievable. And so the birth of Jesus Christ is monumental, but I also want us to reflect on the way in which it's mysterious. We can't fully wrap our minds around this miracle. And reflecting on the birth of Jesus has to lead us to wonder. 1 Timothy 3.16 says it like this, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. I love the way he says that there, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And that has to be on our minds when we think about Christmas. You know, we as evangelicals here at ECC, we're a thoughtful bunch, and we really value theology, and we want to know and understand what Scripture teaches, and we want to do the best we can to live out our faith wisely, guided by Scripture, guided by years of brilliant people who God has worked in their life and called them to study Him. And we learn from all that they have written. Uh, but what we see is the truth that no matter how hard we study, there are just some things in our faith that we can't fully wrap our minds around. And the Incarnation is one of them. It is a mystery to us. It's a mystery. Jesus Christ in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And so, 
we can never lose sight of the wonder and awe of our faith. We can't fully understand the incarnation. And I love, uh, I want to share another poem with you. This is from St. Augustine, also in the 5th century. He describes the wonder of the incarnation. Look at this. He so loved us that for our sake, he was made man in time, although through him all things were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy, he the word without whom all human eloquence is made mute. I love that poem. It should just blow our minds to think about the miracle that God has done for us in the birth of Jesus Christ. Awe and wonder in the Christmas season has to be a part of our devotional life. I want to share with you something from my bucket list. Um, does anybody know what these are? It's the Northern Lights, Aurora Borealis. And so these can be seen clearly if you travel to the poles, North or South Pole, but they're commonly associated with Scandinavia, though you can't even see them in like Alaska or Idaho um, or Canada, as long as you go really, really, really far north, uh, places you would never want to go. But this is on my bucket list. I really want to see these things. I just think they're beautiful. Uh, I look at these lights and I'm in awe of what God has done in creating such natural beauty. And also I'm a fan of the band Fish and they have a song called Farmhouse. And they talk about, I never really saw the northern lights. And I'm like, I don't want to die and say I never really saw the northern lights. You know, anybody else like the band Fish? I guess that might be uh, a few years too early for y'all. Um, but man, I want to see these northern lights. But I have to say, these aren't a creation of Photoshop. These are a creation of God. And for as beautiful creation as they are, it's not as beautiful creation as what God has done for us in the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ is the most beautiful thing that has entered into human history, entered into this world. The grace of God, God with us, Emmanuel. Um, that he would live a sinless life, that he would not only teach us about God, but that he would be a display for us of God in real time. God in action, and that God himself would die on the cross that we might be lifted up all because of his grace on our behalf. How beautiful is that? Listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, There is more of God's glory and majesty to be seen in the manger and the cross than in the sparkling stars above, the rolling deep below, the towering mountain, the teeming valleys, the abodes of life, or the abyss of death. Let us then give ourselves up to holy wonder, such as will produce gratitude, worship, love, and confidence as we think of that great mystery of godliness, uh, God made manifest in the flesh. And so, this Christmas season, let me encourage you, take the time to step back from the busyness and make worship part of your, uh, part of your life. I'm going to hand out these sheets. I printed out eight passages of scripture, prophecy that foreshadows the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and stories of Jesus Christ being born, entering into creation. Let me encourage you, read through these passages as you prepare for Christmas. Over these next few weeks, take that time to do it. It'll be so worth your effort as you look for the magnitude of what God has done in the birth of Jesus, and as you reflect on the mystery 
we can't fully wrap our minds around it. We can understand it enough to say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, we worship you for what you've done and for your amazing grace. It's beautiful. Um, so please, take the time, go through those verses. I have never spent one moment regretting time spending the Word. I've regretted time that I spent playing video games um, or wasting time on the internet. But I've never looked back and said, man, I wish I wouldn't study my Bible this morning. <laughs> and so I, I hope that you'll do that. I, I know that God will richly bless that as you prepare for this Christmas season. Would you please pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much uh, that in the midst of our life, in the midst of our regular schedules, in the busyness that can distract us, that uh, God, you would... Your word shows us that Jesus Christ entered into real time and space, um, into people's lives who were just as busy as we find ourselves today, into the lives of people who needed hope um, just as much as we find ourselves looking for it, God, and um, how beautiful it is for us to find that hope in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and as we trace the story of his life all the way to the cross, your provision of grace on our behalf. And so, Father, I pray that this Christmas season, you would speak words of grace and truth to us, that we would know uh, the bigness of what you've done, and that the mystery of that as well would drive us to worship you, that our hearts would be centered on the glory of Jesus Christ, and your love for us, and your wisdom poured out over creation, and we pray this together in Jesus' name, amen.